Hi, this is Brian Landau, and you're listening to The Drip, a podcast about how to caffeinate your campaigns. Today, I'm joined by Scott Schwartz. Scott is the Senior Manager for Executive and Internal Communications for Sales Enablement at Glassdoor. And in this episode, we talk about the benefits of having select pieces of internal communications resemble original IP, the importance of content creation that can be consumed passively, and what the difference is between an all-hands and a town hall. In my day job, I spent a lot of time thinking about how companies can best leverage audio content as a way to engage employees, partners, and customers. A lot of sales teams do email blasts about how the deal got done. I think many of us have seen some sort of variation of this. These emails or PDFs can effectively explain the blocking and tackling behind a deal. But this is one dimensional and another thing that your employees need to read. They're tired of reading. What if you interviewed the account executive about the deal? What if in their own words, they could talk about how they overcame client pushback? What if they spoke about the item that actually closed the deal? These can be five to 10 minutes long and it will elevate the voices of your team. If you do this in audio, your team can still get this high value information without being tethered to their computer. Now, I'm not a betting man, but I would wager that if the account executive then shared that mini podcast with the customer, not only would the customer listen to it, but the customer would feel like they were now a valued part of the team's success. How much more likely would it be that the customer becomes a repeat customer? That the next deal is even bigger than the first? I think it's likely. With Fenley, you can securely share your audio content to channels like Slack, Notion, SharePoint, and others and receive listener insights on all published content. Questions about how audio might elevate your employee and partner engagement strategies? Email me directly at brian at venly.co. That's Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at Venly, V-E-N-N-L-Y, dot C-O. And now, the awesome Scott Schwartz. Hey, Scott. Hey, Brian. Scott Schwartz is a senior manager of internal communications at Glassdoor. Before that, he was an internal communications manager at Lyft, which he joined after nearly five years at a boutique communications consultancy, SNP Communications. Prior to SNP, Scott did research for a large multinational law firm and taught middle school math. A longtime comms practitioner, he knows you can never be too clear, too concise, or too credible. Scott holds a bachelor's degree from Skidmore College, a master's degree from Salem State University, and carries with him a boatload of situational experience. Scott, thanks again for being with me. Sure, happy to join. So I want to talk a little bit about your work uh, in sales enablement at Glassdoor. Can you just help frame sort of what the work is with respect to communications within sales enablement? You know, like how many executives are you working with? How many salespeople are receiving these messages? Do you share a little bit more about that? Sure. So our sales enablement team is a team of about seven people. Um, we support both the sales org of, I'd say roughly 200, folks right now, as well as the CS, the customer success org of about 100 people. And as far as communication goes within that, you know, my role is to, for every project, whether it be training around a new product release, ongoing skills development, or executive communications, I'm uh, the herder of cats in many, many senses of bringing people together and making sure we get that out properly. So with respect to the messaging that you do, you have the the sales team, you have customer success, there might be 
people within the sales team who hold titles like sales operations or sales marketing. Is that the full scope of, of the work or are these sort of discrete teams that have their own uh, messaging channels? Those teams, uh, as far as anyone falling under sales operations, they're definitely a part of this. Uh, often a lot of what we're doing will actually originate from them in a lot of ways. So for example, the sales operations team, core sales ops, they'll have anything that's going to be process related or changes or um, any dashboards and leaderboards that teams really like to have to see how they're doing. As far as the sales marketing team, we have a division within sales ops called Sales Insights, and they bring a tremendous amount of information of what's resonating with our customers. And and we work to enable the rest of the field to start doing those best practices. Email, obviously, is a channel that's used. Every business is using email. But what are some of the other communications channels that you might use uh, to communicate to your sales force? You have all these different teams. There's a ton of information flowing around. I think everything, particularly during a COVID era, uh, is a little bit harder with people not being in the office. What are some of the content formats that you might use to engage with teams? And, and what are some of the channels maybe besides email that are used? Sure. So each week, the beginning of the week, uh, we have a newsletter that'll that'll go out, and that's actually really well read. We um we get typically between seventy five and eighty five percent of our whole go to market org, so you know a few hundred opens each week, and that's been very helpful for the cross functional partners, all the other teams at Glassdoor, to understand that if you want the the sales and customer success folks to see something and know about something you should put it in the newsletter. So that's been nice that it's consistent. It also really limits all the other kind of newsletters and updates that go around, which a lot of people appreciate for their inbox. The end of each week, one of our executives has a, a video program, he calls it Kessler's Corner, and he'll do about a five minute update. It's primarily for sales, but other people do appreciate hearing what's going on. And he's got you know, usually three things each week, something around um, a meeting he had or something outside of work, some update around a team win and, and a little bit of a call out. And then he'll always close with an album recommendation because he has a very large vinyl collection. Between those two, we'll have your typical, we have a town hall. So question driven town hall at least once a month. We have uh, a whole team, all hands, at least once a quarter, sales managers, meetings, uh, monthly, really go to market managers just to make sure those leaders know what's going on. Um, and then there are, of course, emails. Can't avoid email. I, I mean, we can try and avoid email. Um, we can try. I, I try and unsuccessfully. I, I think one of the things I really admire about the work that you're doing specifically at Glassdoor is that a lot of your internal messaging resembles original IP. Like you just mentioned Kessler's Corner. It, it feels like a show. And I imagine it works sort of in two ways, right? One, it keeps the sales executive doing that at a repeatable cadence because he's got a show in that example. But then it also sort of prompts the recipients, right? The, the go-to-market team that they can expect something on a Friday or whatever time that's being published. Is that how you think about it? Like, has that been how it's been effective or, or where maybe the other opportunities that exist in creating internal intellectual property in that type of way? Uh, that that's exactly it. Like we we try to keep it having it like a show kind of helps it keep it consistent, not just in the genre and and of how things will be communicated, but also what people can expect. So, for example, the town halls versus all hands. It took a while for people to understand what is the difference. You know, a town hall usually has a few updates to begin. Why how is it not? Why why can't we just go over wins? And the idea 
every time we were going to announce a town hall, I would actually share a meme from like Parks and Rec, like one of their town halls with townspeople like throwing stuff at, at them. And and it's it's joking, but it sets the expectation that for the 45 minutes or hour, you know, 75% of that time is going to be your questions. It sets the expectation for executives, like come, come prepared, think about questions. Is there anything um, that we really don't want to get asked right now? Okay, well, if we are, let's assume we are, you know, just how you prep for it. So kind of um, being able to do something that that is a little more programmatic, it really helps the executives, I think, come to the table better. They're more prepared. They know what is expected of them, as opposed to having a very refined presentation, if you will, at it, something like an all hands. And it also sets the expectation for the rest of the org. You know, this is your time. It's almost like a, a group one-on-one. -on -one. So engage with what's going on, ask the tough questions, give them to us early if, if we have to go search for the information. Um, and as much as we can bring everything to a regular cadence in that programmatic feel, that kind of has helped us stay stay aligned and on the same page as a team. This is just an observation, but one thing that I've found is that a lot of companies try and mirror consumer behaviors and how they handle internal communications. And what ends up happening sometimes is they're like, oh, well, people like using social media. Let's build our own social media platform for internal use. And it just ends up being terrible. Do, do you look at consumer behaviors and how you might launch internal products? And have there been some hits and have there been some misses along the way? There have definitely been some hits and, and some misses. Um, an example of a miss, I think, is trying to force something into a company culture that doesn't necessarily fit. So for example, you know, Facebook uses Facebook internally. It's how people communicate. It, it, it works for them and, that, and they should be using the product in that way. And they also have um, a Facebook for work platform and, and they've pushed out Workplace. And for companies that are um, grow up in, or, or, and for companies that have a culture that is just tends to be very social and how people share, especially in this virtual world, that can be really effective. However, if you have a culture where it is, I don't want to say like an activist workforce, but people are very invested in the in the mission. Let's say if it's a very mission driven company, and People are going to be vocal about all the changes, product direction, things like that. Well, you're you're going to end up with Facebook bad. And and as a company, you know, what are you trying to solve for? If you're really trying to align people and get everyone on the same page for whether or not they like it, you know, this is a necessary step that a business has to take. Well, you may not want everyone kind of having the the free for all of being able to post however they feel on some kind of internal message board, uh, whether it be Facebook or something else. If you are the type of company that actually really values the opinions from the field and how people are interacting with a product, if you do a lot of A-B testing, well, then you may actually need that. So I think the important thing is to know what are you, what's the end game that you're trying to solve for? For us, uh, we definitely want people's opinions, but we're Glassdoor. You know, we we would we have no need for having that internal Facebook or message board because we encourage people to go onto our company profile and leave your reviews. You know, use the product in that way. So when we were looking for communications channels, we said, okay, we don't need much of anything around people's thoughts and opinions so much as 
perhaps real direct feedback. How do we get a line of feedback on the product and how that feels? Okay, we'll set up a form for that. We have people that have a lot of process oriented questions and they're kind of ad hoc or edge cases. Okay, let's set up a forum for that. But we don't need one big catch all. Are these forums how you get the feedback loop? How do you measure whether or not the message is landing and if it's being effective? I would say, especially over the last 10 months, we have two primary ways, maybe three. Uh, one is, is for ad hoc situations, edge cases with customers, things like that. We set up, um, I would say between three and five channels on Slack that are always monitored by a specific team that can answer it and kind of triage. And for us, that's that's worked really well. There, at first, we were getting you know, 12, 10 to 15 questions per day, um, if not more in some channels. And after the first three months, that settled down to, we get between you know, three and five questions per day, and then sometimes none. Um, so as people start to understand what it is that they should do each day. As far as a lot of feedback goes, people are fortunately pretty direct and vocal, but in inappropriate ways, but certainly through the managers. We really leaned on our managers and tried to empower them. So it's bring us the questions, but we'll also give the managers the answers first to those questions. So there isn't this, oh, I have to ask a manager a question, but I don't actually get an answer until my VP or senior executive is might join our meeting or has an all hands or has office hours, something like that. So we try to really, really lean into our frontline managers. And then the third way is we do pulse surveys. We, we do monthly pulse surveys and they take five minutes to fill out. Those are actually owned by our HR team, but they become very helpful for pretty much every org um, just with the, the anecdotal feedback. You mentioned just before that, you know, your salespeople are vocal, but respectful. Uh, this is maybe more of a, a sales leadership question, but some of the best salespeople that I've ever known have something of an authority complex, right? They're creative, they're independent. They like having autonomy over how they manage their accounts. How do you balance communicating essential information around process, training, procedures, while still empowering the traits that make really good salespeople successful? Sure. A lot of the traits that make salespeople successful are that autonomy. You know, they are brought in, they have a book of business, there, there are quota expectations on a monthly or quarterly basis, but the ability to walk into a meeting that they think is going to go well and have the confidence and, and give their customers answers, especially if their customers in a difficult position or it's a really complex deal, ensuring that they have that information to go in and, and have some concrete objective answer is really, really important. Um, the other piece is being able to move past failure quickly. I think any salesperson and the best salespeople understand that you will invest time into deals that will eventually either go nowhere or perhaps that account transitions out of your book. So what we try to do is three things primarily through the Slack channels. How can you get those answers in the moment? How do we have a 24 hour SLA? How do we put a salesperson in a position where if they are on a call, get a question and say, I have to follow back up with you, they can do that by the next day. So that's been a focus. The second thing is, how do you set one another up for success? So if we, we do go through, um, right now, quarterly account transitions, we've gone through phases where that's been less so, but about if, if 1% of your book is gonna transfer 
a recorder, how are you uh, carrying that relationship over to the other person that'll set them up for success in their own business? And then I think the third thing is, what are we doing to ensure enough volume of deals coming in? It's a lot easier to get past those setbacks if you know that there's something else right around the corner. So being able to invest in some of the tools that'll help us um, ensure a healthy pipeline of deals, really strong training for our SDRs and, and um, younger salespeople that will open up leads has been integral to our success. So I'll get you out of here on, on this question. Sales enablement communication is a, a specific type of communication. What, what are some of the lessons that you've learned and wisdom that you've gleaned in this work that might be applied to people in other forms of communications and other forms of maybe marketing? I think the biggest thing, and honestly, why I'm interested in, in Benley and the podcast, but I think the biggest thing is that when people are at work, there's obviously active listening and passive listening. There's also active reading and, and, and passive reading. There's just ways that you can actively participate in whatever you're trying to glean. So with the virtual world, we lean way too heavily on this active stuff. You know, you have to watch this video, you have to pay attention and, and do this training and then take this quiz. You have to tune into this all hands. If you didn't tune in, you have to watch the recording. And it's really, really hard to get information very passively. But there's a tremendous amount of information that can be done passively. It just kind of somebody has to be like a fly on the wall or listening in or doing something else. So I think as much as possible to push communication towards that passive listening. Things like win stories can be passive. Things like a lot of exec updates, they don't have to be on video. They can be something that somebody's listening to for a few minutes while they walk the dog. So finding those those touch points in communications and in somebody's workday that they can be and should be doing something else, grabbing coffee, making lunch, walking the dog and listening in to get some information, that's fine. And usually as much as they need. And if they ever need more information or you pique their interest, they'll be sure to reach back out. Appreciate you saying that. I mean, I, I think in the messaging, empowering someone and, and allowing them to have that next step for follow-up, saying that in the messaging and saying like, look, if you have questions, send me an email, follow up this way, send me a Slack message that can create the feedback loop that you're looking really looking for. It enables someone to, as you mentioned, passively lean back, consume content, consume messaging, and then it gives them the encouragement to follow up. And I think, I think a lot of executives will be really surprised by how many people actually take them up on that offer. That's exactly right. Scott Schwartz, thank you so much for your time today, your wisdom. It means a great deal to me. Brian, thank you for the opportunity.